Welcome to Sideline Sleuths, a true crime podcast all about the tragic yet fascinating cases no one can seem to get enough of. I'm Megan. And I'm Jasmine. We're so glad you're listening. If you like being an armchair detective, you'll love being a sideline sleuth. Today we're going to talk about a missing person case from Jasmine's home state of Florida. You're so good to me, Megan. (laughs) Our first episode featured some Louisiana cases, which is where I'm from, and then we did a Connecticut one, and then three Texas ones in a row, so today's story is coming from Florida. We're going to talk about the 2010 disappearance of Ben McDaniel from Vortex Spring in Florida. Ben was a Tennessee man who at the time of his disappearance was 30 years old, and he had been living at his parents' beach house on the Emerald Coast. He moved in there following a string of bad luck and the death of his younger brother. His brother passed away two years prior, but it evidently was still affecting him, so that, paired with getting divorced, his business's bankruptcy, and a hefty tax debt made Ben despondent. So he goes on a sabbatical and moves into his parents' beach house on the Florida Panhandle in what is known as the Emerald Coast, which is a 100-mile stretch of land on the Gulf of Mexico. After relocating to Florida... He began regularly participating in his hobby of scuba diving, where he had been exploring a cave despite the fact that he did not have the proper certification to do so. Hmm. Even though he lived just a short distance inland from the Gulf, Ben preferred to dive in fresh water, which is why he frequented Vortex Spring. Vortex Spring is a commercially operated cold freshwater spring. It has a 200-foot bowl-shaped basin and a cave that connects it to the Floridian Aquifer. So in case you don't know what an aquifer is... It's an underground layer of rock that contains or transmits water. And apparently this one is like super huge because it supplies drinking water for about 10 million people. So that's kind of cool. But anyway, the water temperature at Vortex Springs stays about 68 degrees and is generally very clear and home to lots of aquatic life like fish and freshwater eels. Despite its clarity, though, visibility in the spring decreases as the day goes on because people kick up silt on the bottom, which then clouds the water. Vortex Spring is a popular dive spot for both experienced and beginning divers. Its main attraction is the cave. Like I said, it starts with a basin, and at the southeast side of the basin bottom, there is an opening. Divers would swim down through a brightly lit cavern known as the Piano Room, which is about 90 feet below the surface before making it to the cave. So experienced divers are allowed to dive to 115 feet. The area beyond that is the cave, and it's locked. The space leading up to the locked gate narrows and turns downward. The dive shop only gives the keys to those who can show that they have the proper cave diving certification, which requires like two months of training, including 125 dives with an instructor or certified diving partner. This policy was put in place after 13 divers died in the cave in the 1990s. At the entrance of the cave, there's a sign with a Grim Reaper on it that warns divers of the consequences of continuing beyond that point. It says something like, nothing in this cave is worth dying for. The cave has been mapped to a depth of 310 feet, but its full depth is unknown. At some points, the passage narrows so much that it requires the divers who can fit in that space, because many cannot, to take off their tanks and hold them at their sides or in front of them and twist their bodies. So it definitely sounds like something I would not be interested in yeah. ever doing. Yeah. I'm claustrophobic just reading about it. Have to hang out in the piano room, call yeah, it a day. That's it. No okay for me. So Ben visits the spring often to the point that he is a regular known by both employees and other frequent visitors. His dive log shows that he completed 250 dives in four months there. In order to accomplish this in such a small period of time, he would have to do multiple dives per day. 250 dives can take people years to do, and he did it in just mere months. 
Employees have stated that Ben had the proper equipment and was very knowledgeable, but that he was often overly confident in his abilities. Mm. But he did his dives alone because he could not find anyone willing to be his dive partner. And I think that's pretty rare to dive alone because that seems kind of dangerous. But Yeah, definitely. He dove by himself. He couldn't find anybody that was doing it that frequently, maybe? Probably, because he was just hanging out at his parents' beach house. So other people probably have jobs. So a few days before Ben disappeared, he returned to Tennessee for a brief visit with his family. And he told them that he was working on getting certified as a dive instructor so that he could pursue that as a career option. And eventually that he planned to open some sort of diving-related business. He also said he was interested in getting his cave diving certification as well. From my research, it seems that there are a lot of types of scuba certifications, but we're going to talk about three of them. The most basic certification is open water, which is unrestricted swimming, open water with the sky above you. Next is overhead, which means there are some obstacles above you. And lastly, there's cave diving, which is overhead with restrictions in movement, like squeezing into tight spaces. Ben had the most basic one, open water. Well, so he didn't even have overhead. No. He didn't, yeah. Just had the the most simple one, definitely not cave diving, not even the one in the middle. So by August 18th, he's back in Florida from his trip to Tennessee, and he goes to Vortex Spring again. It's the middle of the day, and he does one or two dives. Other divers recall seeing him looking closely at the area around the cave entrance. Mm -hmm. After resurfacing, he filled his tank at the dive shop, which was recorded on security cameras, though it is not known what he filled them with. It is reported that he spent much of the afternoon by himself alongside the spring testing equipment and making notes in his dive log. Ben called his mom that evening around 6.30 as he was preparing for another dive. Around 7.30 p.m., he went in again. The area usually closes by 6, but you can dive later if you purchase the proper pass. So two Vortex Springs employees, Chuck and Eduardo, who were out on their own dive, saw Ben as he was descending into the water with his lights on and wearing a helmet. Apparently, those two things suggested that Ben was going into the cave. Eduardo, who had long suspected that Ben had been forcing the gate open, decided to just go down and open it for him. The pair saw Ben enter the cave, but no one has seen him since. I guess they figured rather than risking damaging the gate by breaking into the cave, if he was going to go in either way, they might as well open it for him, or maybe fearing that he would overexert himself trying to force it open or use up his air unnecessarily, it would just be safer to give him access since he was going to go in regardless. Like, they knew he was going in. You might as well open it. He's determined. So it is suggested that Ben may have panicked when he saw the two employees because he was going into an area that was restricted to him. And panicking can cause your heart to beat faster and your breathing rate to increase, which for someone with limited oxygen can have severe consequences, such as death. Ben's truck was still in the parking lot the next morning, but because the spring is very busy in the summertime, the employee said that they did not notice the vehicle was still there at the time. Not that they didn't notice it at all, but I guess they didn't realize it was still there, like it never left, like it was in the same spot. It wouldn't be odd for Ben to be there early to dive, so I guess they thought he left and just came back. So it wasn't until the following morning of August 20th that they realized that Ben's truck was in the exact same spot and that no one had seen him since he entered the cave on the evening of the 18th. Eduardo, one of the employees who last saw Ben, he's the one who opened the gate, he called the Holmes County Sheriff's Office. So then Eduardo promptly suited up to go search for Ben himself, and another diver did as well. They were both resurfacing when the sheriff's deputies arrived and sealed off the spring with crime scene tape. The other diver told the deputies that the gate was left open, but that he didn't see Ben. 
When the search and rescue operations truly got underway, it became clear that there was no sign of Ben or any of his dive equipment, nor was there a sign of a struggle near Ben's truck or anywhere else that they thought Ben might have been. His wallet, with between $700 and $1,100 in cash, there's been some like varying reports, and his cell phone were found inside his truck. That's his, a lot of cash. That is a lot of cash, and I don't know why you just leave it there, but his dive log showed also a map that he made of his explorations. When officers visited his beach house, they found no sign that Ben ever returned after his dive two days prior. Lots of diving books were found, as well as his dive logs and maps he made, which apparently are puzzling on their own. It stated that at the beginning of his time in Florida, his dive logs were neat and organized, but he began to get more sloppy and almost indecipherable as time went on. Some expert divers even said that the maps he drew of the cave were incorrect, making them wonder how far into the cave he had ever actually been. Then it was assumed that he never resurfaced and had most likely drowned somewhere inside the cave trying to get out. Cadaver dogs alerted on the water surface, which supported that theory. But I actually learned recently, and I'm kind of ashamed to admit that it took me this long to know this, but cadaver dogs are surprisingly inaccurate. So maybe that's not surprising to other people, but I was surprised. They're exceptionally accurate in a laboratory setting, but in the real world, there's too many other competing factors. So they're like good for narrowing down search spots, but not necessarily for finding anything specific. And I also read that these dogs likely didn't have any water training, so that could have all been for nothing that they brought them. But other scent-trained dogs did not pick up Ben's scent anywhere on the Vortex Spring property. And he frequented it. Yeah, he was always well, I don't there. Know so. How long a scent lingers? Me either. As word that there was a missing diver in the cave at Vortex Spring spread, cave divers arrived to assist in a recovery operation. Oh, cave divers are like yeah. a family. Divers scoured the cave, looking in every possible nook and cranny where they thought Ben might have crawled into as he panicked while his tanks were running low. That just terrifies me, like drowning. I can't even. Yeah, knowing Ooh. your oxygen is running out. Just like waiting to die. Apparently crawling into little spots is a pattern in previous cave diving deaths. So the lead investigator on Ben's case contacted an experienced recovery diver named Jeff Laughlin to help find qualified rescue divers in this effort. So Jeff became the lead diver and assembled teams. Team one would go in first looking for Ben. Team two would replace team one and push further into the cave. And team three would drop off extra tanks that the other teams would need as they were checking the areas in the cave in the basin. After searching, Jeff said, quote, everywhere I knew to look, I looked and didn't find him, end quote. So restrictions in cave diving are basically obstacles like a narrow passageway. There's a video exploration of this cave, and I got anxiety just watching how narrow the spots were, so I can't imagine actually being in it. Like, I'm nervous for these people. But this cave has four restrictions. The first is right after the gate, which tightens to a four or five foot wide, three foot tall hole. Oh no, 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 no. And that's like the best it gets. The diver would have to go through a small hole and then enter like a small room, which makes me claustrophobic. So in that room up and to the right is like a vertical fracture in the rock and to the left is a dead end. But past that is the second restriction, which is known as the back mount squeeze, which is a long flat passage that is just big enough for a diver and his gear to squeeze through. Once past that, they enter another room. So looking down from there, divers will see the third restriction called the champagne bottleneck. It is a long skinny tube that is so narrow, divers have to remove their equipment and push it through in front of them and then squeeze themselves inside behind it, like drop their tanks through and then go in after them. Mm-hmm. I know um, my tank next to me yeah, the whole time. <laughs> there's literally no way I would ever want to do that. 
my dad was a scuba diver in the U.S. Navy, and I never used to worry about him with that job. I was like, oh, that's cool. My dad's a deep-sea diver. Um, no, now I'm terrified. So I'm super glad that he doesn't do this anymore because I would have been worried about him all the time. So once you're through the third restriction, the divers then find themselves in another small four-by-three-foot pocket of space before they reach the fourth restriction. Okay. Here they cannot have any gear that's taller than 20 centimeters. They have to crawl through this space on their stomach. Like... Army crawl, like on their stomach, y'all. I saw something that said it can be compared to trying to crawl underneath a bed or under a car, but while wearing your scuba gear. I can't fit under my bed without scuba gear. (laughs) But um, I'm not sure what the technical definition of a cave is, but this does not fit my, like what my brain thinks a cave is at all. This is a crawl space to me. That's like a tunnel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's not a cave. The space then shrinks to one by three feet and continues to shrink to 10 inches tall and two and a half feet wide, and then finally to six inches tall and two feet wide. Who can fit in there? What no are idea. you going to see? Yeah. Once you're, hating, yeah no, I could like, not do, do thing, it. Yeah, good for y'all. <laughs> uh, once you're through that, that's it. It's the end of the line. There's another fracture in the rock, but it's too small for human passage. If you did by some chance enter through that miraculously, there is not enough space for you to turn around to get back out, but you can't fit through it. It's like a six inch opening. So you go through all of that for nothing just to like turn around. So after squeezing through the fourth restriction, there is basically enough space for two divers to like chill for a second and basically psych themselves up to go back through the crawl of death, which is a way better name than anything else that they've given it. Yeah, (laughs) the bottleneck crawl of death. No, it's not celebratory. Yeah, that's way more fitting. Yeah, I guess you should, if you go back through it, then you need some champagne to celebrate. (laughs) Fitting. So the rescue divers later said that they felt that they risked their own lives trying to find Ben inside the cave. And it was to no avail because no one that weekend found any sign of Ben McDaniel. However, they did find two stage tanks with Ben's name written on them, but this led to more questions because it didn't make any sense for them to be where they were. So if he was exploring the cave, which he was not even permitted to enter, you would place your extra tanks at different points throughout your route so that you could get them when you needed them, like on your way back out, or use them as a like to follow yourself out, like leaving like a trail for you. Mm-hmm. But his were at the entrance to the cave. So that doesn't make any sense. And furthermore, the the tanks were found to just contain air and not the specialized gas mix that Ben would have known he had to use had he actually been researching cave diving as he told his parents he was on his trip back to Tennessee. Okay, so by Sunday, August 22nd, so that's four days after he entered the cave, no other signs have been found of Ben. So Ed Sorensen, he is basically like the most famous cave diver. He's a recovery specialist. All right. So he's like super famous. Okay. So they contacted him and he was on vacation in the Bahamas and literally left his vacation to come to this cave. So he gets to Vortex Spring the next day. The other divers and an official from an international cave diving rescue organization told him that it would be too dangerous for him to go any further in the cave than they had already gone. But he had previously been described as a person who could go places where other divers could not. So he persisted. He's like the best person to have. So Ed made three separate dives that day, going 1,700 feet into the cave, which was 200 feet further than what Ben had mapped out. He used smaller tanks and a diver propulsion vehicle, or DPV, which is like a little underwater scooter that increases your range and speed, but with less physical exertion. Smart. So, but he found nothing, no body and no evidence that one had ever been there, meaning he did not see an increased activity by like carnivorous aquatic scavengers, which what the hell are those? <laughs> um, as a kid, I used to be like really afraid of jaws, but now I feel like I should be afraid of 
underwater carnivorous <laughs> scavengers. Random like, carnivores. I don't know. So he also <laughs> didn't find any evidence that Ben had gotten into the deeper section or a crevice of some sort, such as marks on the cave walls or disturbed silt. Some of the areas he said you'd absolutely have to brush up against, like I think he said it was orange algae. So if you were going through there, you would have like scraped it off and exposed this stark white limestone beneath it, but it was completely undisturbed. So there was no okay. way that someone had went through there recently. Ed's good. Ed is great. Like an investigator so too. at the time of his disappearance, Ben was six feet, one inches tall and weighed 210 pounds, mm. which is one inch taller and 20 pounds heavier than Ed, the rescue diver, which is really great for comparisons because if Ben is bigger than Ed, and Ed couldn't fit somewhere, then you know that Ben could not either. Yeah. So Ed said, without the cave diving training, there is no way Ben could have gotten through some of those really narrow restrictions in the cave. He said, quote, I know what I'm doing, and I barely made it through. The last place I searched was pristine, without a mark that a diver had been there. It would be impossible to go through that restriction without making a mark on the floor or ceiling. He's not in there, end quote. Dang. So Ed was only the third person to make it all the way through the fourth restriction. The only two people before him were the men who first mapped the cave. Ed said there was no evidence that someone had been back there since it was first explored. That just shows you like how difficult it is yeah. that people weren't going. Respect to so, those guys. Yeah. The McDaniels helped the only way they could. They hired Steve Keen, who had originally mapped the Vortex Spring Cave in 2003. And he did seven dives but did not find any sign of Ben. He said, quote, if he's in there, I don't know where he'd be, end quote. The McDaniels also agreed to put up $54,000 to guarantee the cost of replacing a remotely operated underwater vehicle brought to the spring by the Fort Lauderdale police in case it got lost in the cave. The vehicle was unable to go any further than the human divers did, though, due to some technical issues. In total, 16 divers spent 36 straight days looking for Ben's body in the cave with no results. Like, that is a hell of a rescue effort. I like, agree. people go missing on land and they give up way sooner. But 16 yeah, we've divers. Some of those cases. Yes, we have 36 days straight and they never found him. And that's a really dangerous hunt. Yeah. They wow. all concluded the same thing Ben is not in the cave. Volunteer searches continued afterward at the spring through November. With the cave thoroughly searched, some divers began questioning if Ben was in there at all. Perhaps his body had secretly been removed from the cave before searching began and disposed of on land, or it maybe had washed out through the spring's outlet. This theory was suggested to me by a co-worker. Well, he's a sub. So we had a sub at school the other day who is a former narcotics detective, and it was like a dream. So cool. It was what? a dream come true. He His class was in the library, the one he was covering all day. So basically in any downtime, I was like, hey, I have some questions about crime scene processing. Hey, I have, so it was- What a good day It was had. an amazing day. So anyway, he apparently also used to be a scuba diver. So he asked me which case I was doing next. <laughs> so I talked to him about this. It was like, it was the best Perfect. day. So he suggested to me that maybe the body washed out. And though that is- is possible. I just don't feel like it's likely. Others, including dive shop employees who opened the gate for him, suggested that maybe Ben had staged his own disappearance to start his life over. Mm. Investigators had no choice but to consider those possibilities and adjust their search. So searches began in the woods around Vortex Springs, but provided no clues. Cadaver dogs found no trace of Ben there. Swamps and creeks that feed into the river were searched the water was tested 30 separate times over the next several months, but there was never an increase in bacteria that would indicate the presence of a decomposing human body in the water. This is a thorough, behind yeah. scientific, yeah. expert-led search. Yeah, this is like the best missing person search I've ever seen. So Eduardo, who actually opened the cave, passed a lie detector test about his account of what happened on the night that Ben disappeared. The family then offered a sizable reward. 
But when a diver, believed to be searching for clues, got trapped and died in the cave, the diving community was outraged and claimed that the reward was too tempting and therefore was endangering not only the safety of those divers, but also that of any subsequent rescue efforts. So then the reward was rescinded. Wow. Yeah. I mean, they were already making a concerted yeah. effort to find him. Like, you didn't need to come from all over. And it's kind of vacation. insulting to be like, here, if you find my son, I'll give you this money when all these people have volunteered their own time and to do it for nothing. Yeah. Of their heart. yeah. So a second ago, I mentioned some theories or possibility about Ben's whereabouts. So let's discuss those now. Several theories have been proposed in the years since Ben disappeared, including foul play, that he staged his own disappearance in order to escape his financial woes, and what some people believe to be the most likely possibility is that Ben became trapped, drowning, and eventually was devoured by aquatic predators. I was going to ask about that, but oh, let's yeah. go into that. Okay, so theory number one, we're going to break into two parts, 1A and 1B. Theory one is that Ben accidentally drowned while exploring the more dangerous parts of the cave, and this is where we're going to split it into two. Theory 1A is that the body is wedged in somewhere hidden, and then he was eaten by aquatic predators. So let's talk about the wedging part first. While yes, the human body is squishy and bendy and can contort, gear cannot. The body yeah. would begin to float at about five days of decomp, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then the gear would sink to the bottom. But there's been no such finding of his gear, so I don't think that it's likely. And remember, he had a helmet and lights, so where would those be? And also, you had to remove your gear to pass through some of the restrictions, which means he would have been holding the stuff and it wasn't fastened to his body. So if he died, he would have then dropped it, right? Yeah. Gear would have, they would have found gear. Yeah. So first off, no stuff has been found, so that's not it. But let's just say for the sake of discussing all of it, uh, we don't care that they didn't find the gear. So if he panicked, ran out of air, disturbed the silt, which reduced visibility, and then he wedged himself somewhere and was stuck, theory 1A is that he was eventually eaten by aquatic predators. So some springs in Florida have alligators and bull sharks who swim in fresh water. But I have seen that deep? I guess. But I have seen absolutely nothing about the presence of alligators or sharks in Vortex Spring. Plenty of other springs in Florida, but not this one. So what aquatic predators would have eaten him? And so that one is just not likely to me. I first off don't think he wedged himself in anywhere. They would have found gear and there are no known aquatic predators of like that size to eat this body. And if little tiny ones ate them yeah. up, like, like we, but they started searching too quickly, I think, for a little tiny ones to be yeah. eaten that quickly. He would have floated. Yeah. He would have found him doing the floating stage. Yeah. So theory 1B is that he accidentally drowned in the cave, and then his body floated out on its own and traveled to another body of water. But the creeks and rivers were searched, and there wasn't an increase in bacteria that would have been present if a human body was decomposing, and the cadaver dogs didn't get a hit anywhere else. And then we'll also talk about in a second why that's unlikely. So theory 2 is that Ben committed suicide by purposely entering into an area he knew he could not come back from. So remember, if you make it through the fourth restriction, there's an opening, but it's like six inches, and it's too small for human passage. But if by some miracle you did get through there, Ed said there's not enough space for you to turn around and get back out. So did Ben know this and purposely enter that spot? Probably not. I don't think he knew that because Ed is a world-renowned rescue diver, and he looked into that opening, and he, he had a light to do so, and he said he wasn't in there. He said that he wasn't even back to the fourth restriction, let alone beyond it. And Ed is shorter and lighter than Ben. So if Ed couldn't fit, Ben can't fit. So to me, that one's just completely impossible. Mm. Also, Ben was planning for his future. So some people think he didn't kill himself. Like he was on the sabbatical. It seemed to be working. He was feeling optimistic. But only air was found in the tanks. So was that meant to throw us off for like a stage disappearance? Or did he do that purposely to aid in his suicide? Right. 
I don't know. He may have wanted to kill himself, but I feel like rescuers would have found some kind of evidence. Theory three is that Ben fell victim to some sort of foul play, either during or after his dive, and that his body was hidden in or out, but most likely out of the cave. And this is one I think that is more likely of all the possibilities. But where did all of his gear go? Did they steal it? If they didn't, what was the motive, if not robbery? Because he had valuables in his truck in the parking lot? Yeah, so they didn't get them. No, so while, yes, I think this could have happened, it is definitely, it's definitely more likely than the first two. I still don't think it's the case. Ben was known to dive alone. Though he was friendly and well-known, he kept to himself. So I don't know if there's any known enemies or maybe somebody who would want to harm him. So a man named Lowell Kelly was the owner of Vortex Spring at the time Ben went missing. Around that same time, Lowell had allegedly taken an employee who he said owed him lots of money into an isolated wooden area and beat him with a baseball bat, trying to make him pay up. Oh. That man was able to escape, but Lowell was charged with assault and kidnapping. Lowell. And then he died in 2011, so Ben went missing in 2010. Not long after he was sentenced for those charges, he died. He got seven years probation. Well, what? Yeah, that seems kind of crazy. It's assault. Well, Ben's family believes that his death, though supposedly accidental, is somehow related to the disappearance of their son. So during some event Lowell was hosting at Vortex Springs, he apparently fell down the stairs and hit his head. Mm. Someone we don't know, because the name is not being released, took him home where they helped him shower and then left him to rest. In the morning, a different person, also whose name we don't know, went to check on him and saw that his condition had worsened overnight. So an ambulance was called and he was taken to the hospital. I believe he was in a coma and then eventually transferred to hospice care where he ended up dying like a month later. The Holmes County Sheriff's Office, which is the agency who is investigating Ben's disappearance, is not releasing the names of those individuals or Lowell Kelly's autopsy report, claiming that it would compromise their ongoing investigation. Oh, interesting. Which does kind of make it seem like it's related to Ben's disappearance, because if Lowell's death was accidental, how is there an ongoing investigation? Mm -hmm. So could somebody have hurt Lowell and that person have also hurt Ben? Did Lowell and that person do something to Ben together, and then they killed Lowell to ensure he would never talk about it? But I still don't know what the motive would be for harming Ben. Eduardo said that he usually does his evening personal dives and then waits to see the bubbles of other divers come up before he leaves, just to know that they're like on their way out. But on the night of August 18th, when Ben was doing his final dive, he didn't he didn't do that. He said he had plans and he needed to get going. And he stated that Lowell was supposed to be working late that night, so he thought it would be fine if he left in case there was an emergency, the owner was there. So one of the first divers to suit up and look for Ben said that the cave gate was open. So would it have been locked if Ben exited on his own and was harmed later? Or would it have been open since Ben didn't have a key? Yeah. Like, and there's no way he could have locked it for, I don't know. But it's one of those things that, is it one of those things where you can open it from the inside even if it's locked? Like in the library, you know, if it's locked on the outside, y'all can't come in, but I can always open it. Right. So I'm not sure. It would make sense practically for safety-wise. Yeah. I mean, like if people are allowed to, Lock it. To yeah, you wouldn't want to get locked certified. inside it. Yeah, it should yeah. be something you could open even from the inside, even if it's yeah. locked. So theory number four, and that's that Ben faked his own disappearance or death by making it appear that he drowned in the cave, but had actually exited the water safely and left his life behind by choice. And this is what I think happened. Ben isn't in the cave. If he died, he didn't die in there. And there's plenty of reason, I think, for him to have just walked away from his life. But he left a dog behind and was allegedly studying for some more certifications, so that doesn't add up. Like, where did he go and did he have help? 
But he went home just days before he disappeared, which to me is like he was yeah. going to say goodbye. Yeah. Like he wanted to see his family one more time. And then he even called his mom right before he went into the cave. Which is unusual, Yeah. Right? Like so was he just wanted to he just wanted uh-huh. to say goodbye. So those to me make it seem like that's what happened. When he first mentioned that he did that, I was like, Okay, yeah, you just, just call your mom. But now it's like, hmm, right before did you call your mom before everything? I don't think yeah. so. Or they would have said that. So stage disappearance and foul play are the only options to me because he isn't in the cave. So what if this is what I'm thinking? What if there's a combination of it's sort of theory three and theory four? So I think it's a stage disappearance. Like I think definitely with him contacting his family and like, mm-hmm. yeah. But you said Eduardo like left the gate open for him, and like there's the weird thing with the guy who manages or owns the place. Mm-hmm. What if they like helped him? Disappear. Yeah. Or like what if Eduardo helps him disappear and then... I didn't even think about that. Right, because he's like, oh, well, I didn't notice that his car was still there and I let him in and I thought it would be fine. he's the one who calls the sheriff's office. He looks for him first. Yeah, all those things. And then maybe manager guy was aware or maybe he paid them to be... So did Eduardo kill the manager then? Yeah, maybe like stop snitching, man. Push it down yeah. the stairs. So like Ben wanted to start over. Eduardo was like, "We can help you." Like people get die in this cave all the time. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And then maybe Lowell knew that's what was happening, and Eduardo got scared. He would say something, and then he took him out. Yeah. Even though he passed the lie detector test, who's to say they were asking him? Okay. You know, like you're. Did you do something malicious? And he's like, "No, absolutely not." But maybe he helped okay. a lot of crime dramas. I'm so glad you said that because I read somewhere that. Ben's parents don't think that Eduardo's lie detector test was good enough because apparently you get asked questions for like an hour and they ask you the same questions over and over again to watch like the little thing jump and see if your responses change. And he was only asked like three questions. What? And then they were like, you balanced, he's good. So it wasn't like your typical lie detector. I didn't even think that maybe those people helped him. I mean, because he'd gotten close with them. He's there all, all the day, yeah. diving multiple times. Those are his homies. Yeah. And maybe they were like, cool, yeah, if you start your life over... We'll help you. People die in this cave all the time. Yeah. Okay, so (laughs) I guess that could be it. He didn't die and then float out. They didn't find gear on the bottom. There wasn't an increased bacteria presence uh, suggesting human decomposition. Parts of the connecting creeks are too shallow and too narrow for the body to have traveled. Mm -hmm. They also started searching less than two days after he was last seen. And considering that, plus the water level and current, his body could not have made it to the river and then to the ocean. So that's not a possibility. And no scent was picked up by cadaver dogs or search dogs anywhere else on the property. So theory 1A, accidental drowning followed by aquatic predator consumption is a no. Yeah, he definitely didn't get eaten. Because there's no gear, there's no increased scavenger presence in the water, there are no known aquatic predators as far as I know. Theory 1B is the accidental drowning followed by a float out, and that's a no because it's just not possible because of time, water depth, current, and how narrow it is. So that can't have happened. The next one, theory two, suicide in a hidden crevice or beyond the fourth restriction is a no because Ben nor anyone else had reached the fourth restriction since it was mapped. Yeah, no one reached that fourth restriction and it's clear in his maps that he hadn't gone there since they were incorrect and even approached it. Yeah, you don't think that's weird that his maps are wrong? No, I think I'm going to lose sleep over it. (laughs) It's weird. It's like more erratic and strange scribblings. Yeah, I mean, even I could draw a map. Yeah, but that's because you're smart. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So 
There's also no like algae disturbance, no ceiling or floor markings, no gear. Ben was not small enough to fit anyway, and someone would have seen remnants of him being there in addition to finding him and his stuff. Plus, so many experts, world-renowned rescue divers say that he's not in there, including yeah. the dude who mapped it first. Yeah. Three, foul play. Owner had a violent charge against him. He was working late the night Ben did his last dive. Ben's gear has never been found, but we don't know what the motive is. It's not robbery, unless it was just gear robbery because they left his stuff in the truck. But there was no sign of a struggle near the truck, and the dogs didn't pick up his scent on the way to the parking lot or anything. He didn't have any known enemies, but his disappearance could be related to Lowell Kelly's death. The family believes that Ben was murdered and that Lowell was murdered for what he knew about it. I feel like we can't rule out the possibility of foul play because it is too possible. Yeah. Four was the stage disappearance, and we can't rule that one out because it's also too possible. Or like we were saying before, it's like a fusion of both. Yeah. The, uh, three and four. They didn't hurt Ben, but someone did hurt Lowell about yeah. Ben, and Ben did fake his disappearance with help. There's no gear. There's no evidence whatsoever. No foul yeah. play motive. Valuables in the truck. Plenty of motive, though, to go missing on purpose. A yeah. huge tax debt. That in and of itself. Yeah. If I you had nothing else, that. if you just had $50,000 is what it was estimated. Yeah. to scuba dive Yeah. yeah. <laughs> $50,000 owed to the IRS. A messy divorce. His business failed. His brother dies. I think it's just too possible that he walked away. He went home to say goodbye to his parents. He caught his mom right before he descended. Yeah. So... My honest opinion is that the other theories, you're just like, no way. It can't even be scientifically supported. But those two, neither can be discounted. So to me, Ben McDaniel is missing on purpose. He staged his disappearance or faked a presumed death and is alive somewhere. A death certificate was issued for him in 2013. Oh, crazy. Another rescue diver said, quote, We may never know the truth of where he is, but we do know where he isn't. And that is because of a lot of trained and qualified divers. If you're interested in learning more about this case, there's a documentary called Ben's Vortex, and it is also featured on an episode of Investigation Discovery's show Disappeared, Season 4, Episode 21. If you have any information regarding the disappearance of Ben McDaniel, please call the Holmes County Sheriff's Office at 850-547-3681. Thank you for listening to Sideline Sleuths. If you have any comments or questions about this case or just feedback about the show in general, you can find us online at facebook.com slash sideline sleuths. 